Well, good morning. It's good to see all you guys today. If I've not met you, my name's Mark Porter. I'm the uh, Connections Pastor. I'm sorry, Executive Pastor. I forget sometimes. I go back to my old title, but Executive Pastor here at Live Oak. Not that that matters. Anyway, man, we're starting off. Good morning. We just start over. Reset. My name's Mark Porter. I'm glad you're here. How about that? If I have not met you, I would love to meet you after the service. And I just want to echo something about uh, that video. Man, the leaders, these volunteer leaders that pour into the life of these kids makes a difference. And you can make a difference for them by giving them a break. But you may also be blessed by just serving once or twice this summer and investing in the life of the next generation. So I would challenge you, I would encourage you to give it a shot. Uh, it is really, really great, and uh, both my sons serve down there, and they love it. So anyway, we've been in this series called uh, The Struggle is Real, and this is our fifth week. Hard to believe it's our fifth week, and uh, I'm excited to get to, to share with you today, and we're going to talk about walking through our struggles, because we've talked a lot about our struggles, and we're going to talk today about how do we walk through our struggles, and this has kind of been our key verse uh, during this series, this uh, verse from uh, 2 Corinthians. It says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is Christ speaking to Paul. Therefore, Paul, this is Paul speaking, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, my struggles, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now that sounds great, right? I want Christ's power in me. So how do I tap into that? Because sometimes it doesn't feel like I have Christ's power. It doesn't feel like he's with me. So how do we tap into that? How do we walk with that? Last week, Clay said something I, I want to share with you. He says this, grace doesn't just save you, it sustains you. Grace doesn't just save you, it sustains you during your struggles. And Clay also said, I am struggling, but I am not defeated. And if you did not listen to last week's message, if you weren't here, I watched it this week because I was uh, gone last Sunday, I would encourage you to do it. It was a great message. And so here's the thing, grace, we talk about that a lot around here, right? About the grace of Christ, the power of Christ, the power of Christ. He died on the cross for you and for me, was raised from the dead, conquering death and sin. How do I get access to that power? Because we have access. The grace that brought Jesus back, that we receive, when we receive him as our forgiver and leader, can sustain us. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He says this, I have told you these things. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. We could probably put the word struggle in there, right? But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the question today is, how do I do that? How do I tap into this power? How do I lean into God in the midst of my struggles? Really, how do I lean into him daily? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And as we've said, you've got to get real. You've got to get real with yourself, with God and with others, if you want to get moving. And for some of you today, I want to challenge you to get real. To get real about where you are in connection to God. 
Have you just gotten fire insurance and you're just kind of living your life and you wonder why you're struggling or why you can't make it through struggles? I want to challenge you to get real today. Um, I love this time of year, summertime. Uh, One, because I like to sit on my back porch, but two, movies, right? Great movies are coming out. I took uh, the, the family and I went and saw Infinity Wars, Avenger Infinity Wars last week. It was great. If you haven't seen it, I won't give you any spoilers, but it was great, right? So, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. But there was a great movie that came out in 2001 called A Beautiful Mind. Any of you guys seen that movie? If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. Uh, starred Russell Crowe. And basically, this movie was about John Nash. He was a brilliant mathematician at Princeton. Ended up winning the Nobel Peace Prize, or Nobel Prize. And uh, these are some of the various actors that are in the movie with him. And John Nash was this brilliant mathematician, but he's also schizophrenic. He heard voices. And uh, the movie does a great job of painting a picture of the various voices speaking into his life. And what he had to figure out, and he had some help from people that loved him and cared about him, was what voices to listen to. And what I'm convinced about, or maybe it's just me, is that we have voices in our head too. We may not be schizophrenic, but there are voices speaking into your life and in my life. All you got to do is turn on the news, look at your Twitter feed, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. There are things speaking into your life. And maybe it's just that inner voice, that inner critic says you're not good enough. But there are voices speaking into your life. And what Nash had to figure out and what we need to figure out is what voices do we listen to? What voices are really speaking truth into our lives? I've been reading this book with some guys in my guys group called Victory Over the Darkness. And the author of that book, Neil Anderson, says this. He says, if what we think is not truth, then what we feel does not reflect reality. If what we think is not truth, then the way we feel does not reflect reality. And where many of us jump the rails is we let our feelings drive the bus. We let our feelings drive the train. And that can get us into trouble. Or we listen to the wrong voices. And so what we hear is not really truth at all. And it leads us down the wrong path. So what we're going to talk about today in 1 Corinthians and also in the book of Galatians is about Paul. He's going to speak to two different churches about what voices do you listen to? About what paths do you choose? Choose. And we can listen in because he's speaking to us too. Because there ain't nothing new under the sun, right? Paul's speaking truth to these churches. So let's look. 1 Corinthians 2, and I I just want to prepare you guys. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. If you didn't want to do that, you probably came to the wrong place, so sorry. But I'm going to go through pretty quickly. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and then Galatians, which is just the next book over, okay? So... 1 Corinthians says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. 
None of the rulers of the age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. What's the mystery? What's hidden? I love a good mystery, right? He's talking about the mystery of the gospel, about this coming Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. The Jews have been waiting for for centuries. And the Messiah came not as a military leader, not as a political leader, but as a servant leader, as a sacrificial leader. And what Paul's saying, hey, this was hidden to our forefathers, but it's been revealed to us and, and is even more revealed, I would say, to our generation, two millennium removed from Paul writing to the Corinthians. We can understand this mystery, the depth of the gospel. Verse 9 says this, However, it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things of God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And what Paul lays out, and kind of in this first little section here, is basically there's two ways of life. There's the rulers of the age, and then there's following the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, we could do a whole series on the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to do it justice today. But we believe here at Live Oak in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what Scripture teaches us is when we cross the line of faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. And this is probably an oversimplification, so don't come up and argue theology with me. I'm just going to tell you it's oversimplification. But if Jesus was the physical manifestation of God then the Spirit is the spiritual or eternal or invisible manifestation of God that lives in our soul, in our mind, in our heart. And we have access to that. And what Paul is saying is really, you got two choices, right? To live in the flesh or to live in the old life or to live in the new life and to trust in the Spirit, to connect to the Spirit. And I love the way this verse says this, these things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And I read one guy who, who uh, kind of uh, expounded on this verse. And he said, this is what the spirit is. He, he defined it this way. The Holy Spirit as God reveals God to God's people. Just let that set in for a minute. It's a riddle, right? The Holy Spirit as a form of God that we receive when we cross the line of faith continues to reveal God, the purposes of God, the nature of God, the plans of God in our lives and the lives around us as we follow him. We have that power. We have that access. Now, there's some really great theologians out there who have talked about the Holy Spirit, written books about the Holy Spirit, and I'm not near as smart as them, so you can go read those guys, but I'm going to go to a guy that I think we could all agree is a great theologian, that's Jesus, and he talked about the Holy Spirit. John 15, and this is in the Amplified Version. I love this translation. Here's what it says. But when the Helper, and look at all the different ways that, that they've expanded on the Holy Spirit. It's a Helper, Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby. When the Helper comes... Whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth, capital T, who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. So we learn more about God 
by connecting with the Spirit. And the Greek word here, parakletos, is where we get our word parakeet. These are the jokes, people. Sorry. Parakletos means the one called alongside to help. I want you to think about that for just a second. The Holy Spirit that Paul talked about, the power of Christ in our weakness. We have an aid, a helper, a comforter, a guide that we can lean into, an advocate, a place we can go to get counsel and leadership. Check this out in verse 11. It says this, Paul's continuing to talk about the Spirit to the Corinthians. For who knows a person's thoughts except his own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have received, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, Again, two ways of life, the world or the spirit. But the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand, remember that word, I'm going to come back to it, what God has freely given us, so we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. See, Paul was talking to a church that was obsessed with understanding, with wisdom, with philosophy, with kind of intellectual elitism. And Paul's making a very simple argument on purpose. Because the gospel is simple. But it is so very, very deep. And basically what he's elaborating on here is that the Spirit does some things for us when we lean in and we listen. This is what the Spirit does. It comforts us. It guides us. It reveals to us God's truth in life and in our struggles. And I know this is a terribly constructed sentence, so if you're an English teacher, just ignore it. The Holy Spirit comforts us and guides us. It can give us counsel. It can give us comfort. It can strengthen us. It can be our power and weakness. And it reveals God's truth in our life and in our struggles. But let's be honest, for a lot of us, the struggle is not listening to the Holy Spirit. It's obeying the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand. There's that word again. They cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject merely to human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus this morning, if you've crossed the line of faith, let that last statement sink in for just a second. You have the mind of Christ. You have access to the very truths of God, to the very nature of God, to the very character of God, to the point that he chose, chooses to reveal things to us. Now, this side of eternity, we're not going to know everything because we're not God. But he's wanting to reveal things to me and to you, and he's wanting to work in your life and in your family's life. 
because we have access to the mind of Christ. So what voices are you listening to? What voices are speaking into your mind? What are you filling yourself up with? Check out the definitions of these word, these words. Understand and discern. Understand is not cognitive, but volitional. So what does that mean? It's an act of will. It is believing enough. It's not an understanding in terms of intellectual assent or agreement, right? Paul was very deliberate about using this word because it wasn't about this intellectual elitism that the Corinthians were obsessed with. It was about believing enough to take a step of trust. And then another step. It's an act of will. And to discern is to make judgments, to be able to filter things, and because you're going to receive messages, right? We've seen this in our world. We probably lived it out this morning. You're going to receive messages or perceive situations in such a way. And what this is saying is you can scrutinize that when you tap into the Spirit and the truth of the Spirit and the truth of God, and it allows us to filter and to look at a situation, to look at someone maybe we disagree with in a very different way as God would look at them. We have that ability. We have access. So what voices are you listening to? Because if what we think is not true, then what we feel does not reflect reality. So what voices are you listening to? What truth are you receiving? What truth are you feeding yourself and your mind? Because you are in a battle for your mind and your heart and your soul. So how do we do that? How do we live a life in the Spirit? Well, Paul's, it's funny, this theme came up in the Galatian church too. Galatians 5.13 through 26, Paul is talking to the Galatians, and he's going to talk to them about, okay, you have the same problem as the Corinthians, right? Two choices here, the old life, the flesh life, but you are new creations. You can live in the new life, life by the Spirit. Verse 13, it says this, you, my brothers and sisters, We're called to be free. Free. You were called to be free. But do not use this freedom or your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. And the Galatians and the Corinthians had all kinds of trouble with factions and dissension and all this kind of stuff. But check out what he says. This word indulge. Some of your translations may say craving. But really in the Greek, this whole section in Galatians has military overtones. And you could also translate this word freedom, uh, the word to indulge, you could translate it to operate from a base of operations. And if, you were, if you've ever been in the military or you watch any military movies or whatever, a base of operations, right, is where... where it's what it is. It's where you operate from. And you go out to, to have offensive or tactical deployments. But you can always fall back to your base of operations. It's, it's where everything moves from to engage the enemy. And what Paul's laying out is, hey man, there's two bases of operations that you can move from. That you can work from. And so he's going to give... I'm sorry, the Galatians, 
could have been the Corinthians too. He's going to give them, he's going to say, hey, there's two ways to do this. You're in a battle. So he says this in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict. There's a battle. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I should probably read that again. So you, right? So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I love that the, this imagery that the Spirit and the flesh, they're in a battle, but they're contrary. One says, it's all about me, and the flesh says, no, it's about somebody else. The flesh says, feed me, versus what Paul said about serving one another, loving one another. And look at the imagery here. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Not a sprint. It's not an Amazon Prime. You get it in two days, right? It's not a sit. It's a walk. And it's a led. It's following. And then Paul kind of lay, lays out, hey, this is what the two ways of life are going to look like for you. He says this, verse 19, the acts or works of the flesh are obvious. Like this is what's going to show up in your life. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. We don't have a lot of that going on, but that can also be translated basically like drug use. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, faction, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at the contrast. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we're going to talk about love a lot next week. On Mother's Day. So come back next week. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now check this out. Two different ways of doing life. But look at the word to use. Acts or works of the flesh. It implies... We've got a responsibility. I got to go to work tomorrow. Right? There's a requirement. It has to be done. There's a necessity. Paul's really trying to communicate to the Galatians, and I think to us, there's an enslavement of the flesh. Because the flesh says, I need more and more, and it's never enough, and it's the next promotion. Or it's the next desire or whatever it is. But there, there's an enslavement. And Clay kind of talked about this last week about where we're chained to our past even can be enslavement of us. Instead of living in freedom. Versus fruit. Now I mentioned to you earlier on, I love the summertime. Uh, and it's getting there because, man, I like digging in the dirt. I'll be quite honest. I love working in my yard. And uh, this is my garden from a couple years ago. This was like early in the season, right? I couldn't find the picture after this, but it was completely covered. You couldn't even see dirt. And we've got tomatoes in there, and we've got strawberries and peppers. I can't remember all, everything else. But anyway, here's the thing I know about gardening. You can't just plant it and walk away. 
Fruit's got to be cultivated, right? You've got to cultivate it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to give it water and food and sunshine. You've got to keep the bugs away, right? You've got to keep your dogs out of it. And the same thing is true about connecting with the Spirit that Paul talked about where he says, my power, I have the power of Christ in me, and I will, I will lean into that. But you've got to cultivate that. See, fruit is a divine enablement, and it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's why Paul was so deliberate about the words he used. Look at verse uh, 24. It says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, this kind of has military overtones, this idea of marching in, in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Now look at these words. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. 18, led by the Spirit. 24, crucified the flesh. 25, live by the Spirit. Uh, 25, keep in step with the Spirit. Maybe it's just me, but when I read these, I'm like, oh yeah. I've got to participate. Yeah, I'm... No amount of, um, I don't need this to get God's attention. I don't need this to get God's affection. But he's saying, if you will walk this way, if you will allow, follow me, keep in step with me. There's a comforter, a guider, a voice that wants to speak real truth, hope, purpose, significance, acceptance into our life. But just like you've got to cultivate a garden to produce food, you've got you to feed it. And that's why I say, like, what voices are you feeding yourself with? What are you feeding yourself? And you've got to have the right posture. So here's, I got three things about our posture. What is my part in living by the Spirit? Three things that I believe Paul lays out for us. First of all, we've got to surrender. Surrender means to give up. Wave the white flag. It is not a partial surrender. It is a total surrender. I'm like a World War II history buff, and I love reading about World War II. And when the, the Nazis took over most of Europe, when they moved in, it was a complete occupation. They took over everything, currency, resources, the people. They even took their art. But when we surrender, it's not a forceful takeover by God. He wants, but he's going to push. But it's an act of will on our part to surrender. And I think what we want to do is surrender a little bit, if we're being honest, right? That's the battle. Like, I'll surrender a little bit, but don't mess with my finances. I'll surrender a little bit, but don't talk to me about where I spend my leisure time. And then it says, follow the Spirit. Don't run ahead with your own agenda. Be, be led. Be humble. See, the the way you battle the flesh is to follow the Spirit, and the Spirit is all about loving and serving others. And what some of us need is a steady infusion of the Spirit to battle the disease of the flesh. And then he says, stay humble. Stay humble. We don't got it. We need the Spirit. We need a guide. Will you be led by the Spirit? Because it doesn't lead to enslavement. It leads to freedom. 
And really what it comes back to is trust. Do I believe that God is sufficient enough to provide? Do I believe God is a sufficient guide for me in all areas of my life? giving it all over to God in his direction through the Spirit. Last thing, then we'll close. How do I do it? It's not going to be rocket science here. You're going to be like, oh, here it is. This is how you participate in connecting with the Spirit. Because we do have to nurture it and cultivate it. If we're going to walk with it, it's a steady walk. It's a hike, right? It's operating from a base of operations. So here's four ways to engage with the Spirit. The first one is the Scriptures. We hold the miracle of the Scriptures, the words of God. And when we read the Scriptures, the Spirit convicts us. It leads us. It answers questions for us. It encourages us. It helps us receive truth. Real truth with a capital T. The sad thing is, is that, and I don't know if this is true, I don't know how you measure this, but one theologian I read said that it is deeply ironic that this generation may be the most biblically illiterate in history, and yet we have the greatest access. We have hundreds of translations, commentaries, annotations, and yet we don't engage the mind of Christ. We can know if I came to you and said, you can know God's mind if you engage his word, his wisdom, his plans, his purposes, his encouragements for you. You need to engage in community. I mentioned this two weeks ago when we talked about temptation. You need to engage with some people who want things for you, not from you. And we, we, we like the self-determination me, not the I need others me. Because God's plan A to the world was using broken people like you and me to help other broken people find Jesus. Number three, prayer. Like, none of this is rocket science, right? Like, these are not surprising. Like, nobody goes, <gasps> right? Prayer. And here's what I would just say about this. A lot of times, and I'll be the first to admit I'm bad about this. Sometimes prayer is not so much about talking to God, but it's listening. And we are so overconnected and overstimulated in our day and time. I drove from Evans Middle School to my house, which is about four minutes, three minutes if I catch the light, so close. And I just practiced silence for four minutes. And it was incredibly uncomfortable because I have been programmed to be stimulated. But I believe the Spirit, and I know this is true in my life, I know this is true. The Spirit speaks in a still, small voice. So we've got to connect to the Spirit in that way. And then your circumstances. This is all I'd say about this. God has planted you where you are in your profession, in your family, at this time, at this place, on your team to be his representative to the world. He wants to work in your life at this time, at this place. And what I would say is, would you be willing to just ask God this week just to practice asking the Spirit, would you reveal to me how you're working in this situation, God? Would you reveal to me if I need to just Give somebody a hug. Will you reveal to me that how I can speak words of encouragement to someone who may be going through a hard time? God, would you reveal to me how you see my boss, who's a complete jerk, 
or that person at school that I cannot stand? What if we practice that this week? What voices are you listening to? What are you feeding? What are you cultivating your heart with? Because if what we think is not truth, then what we feel does not reflect reality. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, sometimes your spirit seems elusive. And yet, I know that you are not hiding. I pray, God, that we would be moved to take a step to engage your spirit. Because we need it. We need a helper. We need a comforter. We need a counselor. We need a strengthener in our lives and in our struggles. So I would pray today, God, whatever it is, for each one of us, that you would convict us in our heart to take a step, to be aware of your spirit, but to tap in and follow your spirit. Thank you for Jesus, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to make one quick announcement before you guys leave. Next week is Mother's Day. Don't forget your mom. And we're going to do a couple of special things. One, we're going to have a baby dedication right at the beginning of each service where parents are going to bring their kids up and uh, dedicate them and invite you to participate in that. And so if you enjoy the 940 service, we encourage you to get here early on time so that you can support these families. And then secondly, we will have a Mother's Day photo booth in the uh, foyer. And so you bring your camera and we've got some photographers who will take pictures for you. So take advantage of that too. You are dismissed. Thank you for being here. If you've got questions, I'll be down in the front.